surely no better place to be isn't there in the arms of god amen well welcome to the house of the lord tonight sure is good to be in his presence again this evening amen amen let's just take our bibles together thank you musicians and brother michael brother john it's good to have you back god bless you buddy amen this is good to be in the house of the lord and sing his praises and i was texting with brother john this afternoon and he said you know i've just fallen in love with jesus i said i was just thinking about that and he was thinking about it <laughs> I said, would you mind singing that song and it's just so good it's the best thing i've ever done i've done a lot of foolish things but there's one thing i never regret doing and that's falling in love with the lord Amen. Amen. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Brother Ethan, I I said we'd start at verse 10, but let's just start at verse 1. It's a very short chapter, and it bears reminding ourselves of. Amen. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I may remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Though I bestow all of my goods to feed the poor, And though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, and thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. 
Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, and charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. Amen. Let's just bow our heads together. If you want to be remembered in prayer tonight and you just want to slip up your hand to the Lord and say, come by my pew tonight. Let's just let him know that. Heavenly Father, Lord, both my hands are raised tonight, Lord. We ask that you just come, Lord, and sweep over our souls, sweet spirit. Lord Jesus, cast us not away. Renew in us, Lord Jesus. Give us a clean heart, Father, to receive the truth, Lord. To receive the love, Lord, that you desire to pour out upon us, Lord. We just want to commit this service to you. We ask, Lord, that you give joy to those that are downtrodden. Lord, may you give freedom to the oppressed, Lord. Father God, may you give vision to the blind, Lord Jesus. We just commit all things into your hands, Lord, asking that you'd reveal yourself to us again tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ, we commit each one to you now. And the church said, Amen. 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 You may have your, your seats if you'd like. I'm going to um, keep up with Brother Ed tonight and call it part six of The Mind of the Overcomer. And uh, we'll take a subtitle of Moving Higher. And uh, really this is just a continuation from uh, last, a couple Sundays ago, but we'll just take it as the Lord leads. As we reminded ourselves of, of charity, it's not filial love that Paul's talking about. It's agape love. It's God's love. As he begins to speak, as he begins to say, charity never faileth. There's only one other place in the Bible that talks about something that will never fail, and that's the word of God. Though heavens and earth will pass away, my word will never pass away. My word will never fail. And we know that Jesus is his word. They are one. And God is love. They're inseparable. You can't take the word of God and say this part is loving and that part is not. It is the love of God. It is a love letter that is projected down to his people, to his bride, that he desires that we would read, that we would clothe ourselves, that we would become the very word bride. Amen. And then we read this part here in, 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 in verse 10. If you just put that back up there, Brother Ethan, of, of chapter 13, it says, For when that which is perfect is calm, then that which is in part shall be done away with. This doesn't mean that we put away some part of the word, but rather the part that was a part is made whole. It is no longer a part. It is now the whole. It is the perfect. 
And, and he says, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child. And this next verse, if you, this next statement, if you bear this in mind as we go on tonight, I thought as a child. There, it's, it's not just in your body that you are a small individual or a child, but it's in the mind as you mature. You think as a child, you understand as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And he says, but now we see through a glass darkly, but when then face to face, and now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. I'll know the word, I'll know Christ even as I can look upon myself because the fullness of it has come. But now I want to take what we're speaking on tonight really out of the 13th verse. It says, but now abideth faith, hope, and charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Amen. And now faith, as we would read, if you put up Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, very familiar to us all, says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. And now we could take this and, and we could, if we look at it in an aspect of divine love, and we looked at it in an aspect of 1 Corinthians uh, 13 and 13, where it says the greatest of these is love. You have faith, you have hope, you have charity, because faith and hope are faith and hope in God. And God is love. God is charity. And so you could say faith is the substance of things hoped for in divine love. It's something that you're hoping for in love. And then faith is the substance that is that you have of a proof of that. And the evidence, it is the evidence of the workings of love. Therefore, love is the greatest because God is love. And you could read verse 3 of Hebrews 11, say, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of love. Through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God or the word of love. It wasn't just that God spoke and it wasn't just some great commandment, but they were words that were love itself was beginning to express itself out. And it began to speak and it began to form worlds into existence. And it began to, uh, the Logos we know, Brother Brennan would talk about, spun out from God. And it began to move and brood upon uh, the face of the waters. And it divided the waters from the land. And, and as it began to speak and every seed would bring forth of his kind what was happening was divine love was beginning to express its love so that it could come down and the entire purpose was so it could have fellowship with its attributes because love demands a fellowship but now brother Branham would take and he'd say your sons and daughters of God you have in your hand he says now look Jesus quoted one time says you are God's he says, deity. He says, listen, I'm a part of Charles Branham because I was born from Charlie Branham. He's my daddy. I'm a part of him. I got a forehead like him. My hair is like him. I'm a small man like him. I'm in nature like him because he's my dad. I could say the same thing and so could other sons and so could other daughters. That one's my father and you know it because of the way I act, the mannerisms. I've had people come hear me speak and they say, you're just like Brother Tim. He's my daddy. I can't help it. That's just the way it is. But he says, but if we become a spirit sons of God, deity then dwells in man. Hallelujah. When you talk, then you can talk about blind eyes being open. 
says they said nothing's impossible to God. God said nothing is impossible with you if you'll believe. Not with God, but you, deities in men. He said, the very God that stood back there on the mystical platform of the eternities and rolled, world, rolled worlds off of his hand and created these things gives, to give you the privilege to be his son. And you're a part of him and God dwells in mankind and man himself then is deity. Because of God in him, it's not the man, it's God in him. God dwells in mankind. He says, there you are. It might choke you, but study it over a little while, he says. God dwells in man, and man becomes a son of God. Not him and himself, but the Holy Spirit that's in him is God. The Creator lives in the creation. An expression of the love of God, in other words. It becomes the creation, becomes an expression of the Creator. And if the Creator is divine love, then the creation must also express that divine love of God. He says, oh my, how we think of it, then stand with that unwavering faith and ask what you will. It will be done. There He is, God in us. Amen. In another place in impartable, impartable sin in 1954, he says, But I tell you, brother, where there is divine, perfect love of God resting in the heart, sealed the same yesterday, today, and moving on, you can begin to make thought of that. Jesus said, This, this will all men know you're my disciples when you have love one for another. In other words, you'll know, they'll know that it's me and you when the expression you give is an expression of my love one towards another. He says, where there is tongues, it'll cease. Where there's knowledge, it'll vanish. Where there's faith, it'll even fail. All these things here. But when that, perf- that which is perfect is come, which is love, it will never pass away. That's right. The love of Christ. Amen. Now forgive me if I read a few more because I'm just getting started here. It's a Wednesday night and we're just going to take a slow runway. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. Amen. He says in one place here, he says, I wish I could explain it. But let me tell you something, brother. You'll never come in contact with a greater force in this life than love. Amen. Amen. He says, I do not try to conquer demons by kicking them. You might hurt your toe, not be able to walk properly. He says in one place, if you just punch at that old snake over and over and over, just keep punching it, keep punching it, it'll bite you. He says, but love, there's never a force like love. See, love is what God is. God is love. Love moves God. God so loved the world. It's love loves what conquers Amen. He didn't come and conquer the world with a great rod of iron. He will rule with a rod of iron. But he came and he overcame death, hell, and the grave with what? With a love for his people. With a love for his attributes. With a love for his seed that pushed him to such a place that he would would pay the ultimate price. He would sacrifice himself and shed his own blood because love drove him to do that. Hallelujah. He says, now the word plainly states, if you want to put it down, it's Galatians 5, 6. Faith worketh by love. See, faith worketh by love. And the only way you can have faith is have love first. 
Because after all, faith is love's incentive. It's its incentive. That's exactly what faith is. It's an incentive to love. Now, you, you, if you don't have love, you can't have faith. See, it's faith that moves love into action. But you've got to have love. There has to be something in your heart, a divine love for the Lord Jesus Christ in order to have faith in Him. And in order to, to have that kind of faith. But he says you have to have faith. To, you can have faith to operate the promises of God. And call love into action. But without, and, and even do that without ever personally being filled with that love. But because you can enter into the love for somebody. You can move and you can operate the promises of God. Without being born again. Because Jesus would say. When he would begin to talk about the ones that would say. Have not I cast out devils in thy name. Have not I done many mighty works. Have not I done this. And he said depart from me. You that work iniquity. Depart from me. I never even knew you. In other words, you never had the love of God. You never allowed divine love to come into your heart. You were, you, you were just operating the promises of God based upon the faith and you entering into something. He says, see, those gifts work through faith, but love perfects. That love is what does it. Love is what melts us with God. Makes us one in unity, one in heart, one in spirit. If you go over to Hebrews chapter 11, if you jump down to verse 39, you'll find it says, And these, these all, having obtained a good report through faith, receive not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Hallelujah. What makes perfect? Divine love is what makes perfect. That all down through the saints of old, they had faith to stand for God, but they were constantly looking to something, saying there's one coming that is perfect, that will pay the price, that will bring the perfect word, that will be the fullness of what I am in part. Amen. But they had faith in what was to come. And when love came in, it perfected. Then it paid the price and was able to bring all those back out of the grave again. Amen. I want to just take a step back now and look into the greatest of these. Because I find it phenomenal. And I was opening it up. And I guess I begin to look into it as into the, the, the Greek of the, of the words in the chapter 13, verse 13 of 1 Corinthians. And as you look into the Greek of the word greatest, I find it interesting. It doesn't say faith, hope, and charity. And the great one is, is, is charity or the greater one is charity. It's the greatest one. The greatest of these. The greatest of these. And in the, in the Greek, this would be the word mejaz or megaz or if it pronounce it some way of that. Which has quite a phenomenal meaning. And in the, in the basic of it, because they would use the word greatest, the basic definition is it's great. We don't really have a better word than that in the English. It's something that's great. It's fantastic. It's awesome. It's above. It's beyond. It's great. The Irish would say it's grand. 
We would say it's great over here, but it's something that is, that is beyond. But rather, it goes on because this word isn't just great. It's, it's greatest in Magaz. And it would say of, of the external form or the sensible appearance of things, of a person in particular, of a space and dimensions of this love. It, 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 it is in the mass and the weight of this love. It is great in the compass and the extent of this love. It is large and it is spacious. In the measure, in the height of it, it is long. In the stature of it, it is great. In the number and quantity of it, it is numerous. It is large. It is abundant. In the age of it, it is the elder. Faith and hope came from it. Without charity, there couldn't be faith. Without charity, there wouldn't be nothing to hope in. There had to be God first for these things to come out from it. It is the elder of it. And in the intensity of its degrees, with great effort, of, of, of the affections and emotions of the mind, of great natural events, it's powerfully affecting the senses. It's, it affects it in a violent and a mighty and a strong way. This charity. Jesus would even say in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, he would say, from the days of John the Baptist until now. That's a very short period of time. He says, now the kingdoms of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. And the words there, we, we would look at it now in our English and say, it's, it's violent, it's, it's, it's an upheaval, it's a horrible thing. But it, it goes so much deeper than that if you go into the old English, because really what he's saying is, he says, from the days of John until now, the kingdom of heaven is pressed upon with force, that the forcer shall lay hold on it by catching it. In other words, they, they shall obtain it because they're pressing into something that John the Baptist coming, forerunning the first coming, created such an expectation for the kingdom of heaven. He's saying there's a pressing into it, and the pressing into it will take it. They will catch it. And he went on after that. Let me just put, put this in here for you. He went on after that in that same, in Matthew chapter 11, if you read that when you go home, he would begin to rebuke many cities where great things were done and say, woe well, unto you kingdoms, woe well, unto you to really to whom the kingdom of heaven came by your way and you refused to press into it. Or woe well, unto you to whom the love of God came to and you refused to receive it. And so in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, I hope I'm not moving too fast, but Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 would then go on and it would say, when the day of Pentecost was fully come and they were all with one accord and in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Now, Brother Branham would take that in, the, in questions and answers on the Holy Ghost, and he would use these words, and he'd say, Suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a violent and rushing wind. It was something that came with a force. It was mighty. It was rushing. It was violent. And it came because there was a people there that were pressing in to the kingdom. They were pressing into the word of God saying, this is what Jesus commanded us to do. I'm not going to be slack concerning the promises. I'm going to press in with everything I have to obtain the goal. 
And we know the scripture will go on to say it in cloves of uh, tongues of fire, like cl- cloves of fire, like tongues came and rested upon them. I'm mixing up my words there, but uh, there it is. Uh, there appeared unto them cloven tongues like unto a fire, and it sat on each of them that it brought in that this rushing, this violent wind. It wasn't just a cool. Whew. It wasn't just a nice breeze that Peter's going, oh, I'm going to make this sound really good. When Luke writes the book of Acts, I'm going to make sure he makes it sound a rushing mighty wind. And it was just a... No, it was something that caught their attention. It was a rush. It was violent. It perhaps moved things in the room. Papers went flying or things. It caught them. And somebody with too long of hair went... But what really caught their attention was there was something that came with it. It wasn't just the wind, but there was something that it ushered in. That even though they were pressing in, it ushered in on the, 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 the very thing, the kingdom of heaven, that they were pressing into. Hallelujah. It's no different today. It might not be a rushing mighty wind that comes, but when you press into the kingdom of God, pretty soon it begins to take over something and in the emotions of your mind and the emotions of your spirit, it begins to be violent because you can't control it because there's something that comes in with it and the kingdom of heaven takes over. But in that... It's bearing the kingdom of heaven on it to the one who is the forcer, to the one who is pressing in, to the one who is praying through, to the one that has battled through and got to touch the hem of his garment. It brings with it the answer. This love is so powerful that in predicating of rank or belonging to a person, When you apply this love to an individual as it applies to the Lord Jesus Christ, it means that individual is eminent in ability, virtue, authority, power. Or to apply this charity to the Lord Jesus means it exalts him into the highest and the most dignified office. That it is to be in that office of full virtue, ability, authority, and power. To be able to say that God is love and to be able to step in and to apply this love, this charity to the Lord Jesus Christ is to say he has all the ability. He has all of the power. He has all of the authority. And we know that he sits at the right hand of God, which is the place, Brother Branham would say, of full power and full authority. Amen. When he was there on the Mount Transfiguration and he was glorified before the disciples, he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then three words, hear ye him. What he says is my word. He is divine love. He is as I am. And it says that these, in the definition of this charity, the greatest, to, to apply this, of these things, it's esteemed highly. That this individual is esteemed highly for their importance. They're of great moment, of great weight, of great importance. It's a highly esteemed for its excellence. It is excellent. When you, when you measure something of his excellence, you might say, well, this one's okay, and that one's better, and this one is excellent. It's, it's the very definition of what you're looking for. 
When you're looking at this love, it is the very definition of love. It is exactly what we are to attain to, exactly what anyone would want to say, well, I want to attain to the greatest love. This is the love. That the highest order of love that could ever be attained to. And it is preeminent. It is God's preeminent blessings. And let me just say this. Is this to try and apply this charity, this love, agape love, to the best things and the finest feelings man has to offer. Or to try and apply it to the highest of offices in this world would be derogatory toward the majesty of God. To try and apply it and say that some great individual, some great speaker, some great uh, notable TV personality has attained to this, this level would be derogatory towards God. Because God is love. This is the definition of who He is. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4. You can't hardly preach about love without going to here. Beloved, verse 7, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. This is so key. So many times in the Bible to put away covetousness, put away malice, put away strife, put away these things. But when it comes to loving one another, it's beloved, love one another. Don't be caught up in trying to look upon the things and say, well, he's got this and I want to be that and I gossip this and I love. Treat one another as you would want to be treated. Treat one another as you would want to treat the Lord Jesus. You can't tell me that you would treat Jesus any differently than you'd treat your brother or your sister who is filled with the Lord Jesus. And you try and look at that and stop along that, but say, I'm lifting up the Lord. No, if you're going to lift up the Lord, you're going to lift up your brother. You're going to lift up your sister and say, I love them just the same because I'm not looking at them. I'm looking at the Lord Jesus Christ in them. He says, he that loveth not, loveth not God. For God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that he might live through him. That we might live through him. Hallelujah. There is no other life. There's a whole lot of death. But life is found in Christ. It says here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be a perpetuation for our sins. Let me say, if you try and press yourself into this love, you will be sorely disappointed. Because you cannot fit a mold and say, but I love God and I'm going to do it of my own works. You're going to fail somewhere along the way. But herein is love that God has loved us. And the very fact that he loved us, he put his own spirit within us. And by that spirit are we able to love one another. By that spirit are we able to be an expression of the love of God. Not by our own intellects or our own ability or our own desire or our own genetics. Those things are all for naught. It says, herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a perpetuation for our sins. 
Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. But if we love one another, God dwelleth in us. And His love is perfected in us. And what I said a couple of Sundays ago, it's not a perfect people, it's a perfect faith. It's a perfect love in a people. And if they could get subjected to that perfect love and that perfect faith, they'll be able to walk and overcome. They'll be able to live the life that the Bible performs and requires them to live because there's a spirit in them that is the Word, living it out through them. We will not be perfect until we get a body change. But our souls are perfected by a perfect love. Hereby know we that we dwell in Him and He in us because He hath given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in Him and He is God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Here is in a, herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as, as he is, so are we in this world. Hallelujah. Exactly what Brother Bannon, when I read, and what he's talking about, saying that... that, that But when the Holy Spirit is in the man, when the Holy Spirit, which is God in the man, the Creator, lives in the creation, He gives you the privilege to be His Son. We become, in the Spirit, sons of God, deity dwelling in flesh. Hallelujah. Herein is our love made perfect. Verse 18, for there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment, and he that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Outside of that, there is no way to love God. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment have we from him that that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. I want to take, and this is a quote that could be spent a lot of time on, but we're going to just insert it here and run with it. From the message, God projecting his love. Brother Branham says, love is in two different words, two different meanings. In the Greek, one of them is philio. That's the love you have for your wife or your husband. Agape is the love, divine love. Now, the love that you have for your wife and the love of God is so contrary. Just listen. It says, the love that you have for your wife, if a man would insult her, you'd probably kill him on the spot with that kind of love. 
a filial love. But with agape love, you'd pray for his lost soul. That'd be the difference. That's two different types of love. I'm almost sure that many of us has been deceived with having filial love and thinking it's agapo love. Agape love. Filial love is intellectual. Agape love comes from the heart. That's human love. Affectionately love and godly love. God, godly love doesn't question. Human love reasons. But godly love doesn't. It's perfect in its trust. It's perfect. It just produces faith when you really love. Amen. So he says, I'm certain that a lot of us have been deceived into thinking because we have this filial love and we, we, are, we begin to use that love not just toward our spouses or our boyfriend or girlfriend, but rather we use that love towards the word of God and it becomes an intellectual thing. Where if someone would dare speak against the word of God, we'd want to kill them. You say, oh, I'm not going to kill somebody naturally. No, no, but you'll do it spiritually. As soon as someone says something against what you believe is the revelation, you want to take up the word and you want to saber rattle and you want to get right out your sword and you want to talk and you want to just cut them all down. Because it becomes filial love where it's intellectual and you can't understand it. And it's my battle against your battle. Instead of rather taking that brother by the hand and pray for him. Agape love projected where if he's wrong in the word, speak the truth in love. Tell him what the word says, but it's not to be a fight. It's not to be a stand up me against you and we're going to go our separate ways. But a bringing together because the love of God will mesh and melt our hearts together with the word of God. Let me say it this way, where Brother Bram would talk about Jesus at the grave of Lazarus. And I want you to imagine this for a moment. Because here we're standing there at the side of the grave of Lazarus. And Brother Branham says, I can see him standing there as a man, frail, crying, and tears running down his cheeks. Yet he knew he could raise Lazarus. Imagine that picture. That this is the fullness of God. This is the fullness of love, standing here weeping. Yet with the love of God that spoke and that spoke that very cave and that very rock that covered the mouth, the mouth of that cave into existence in the beginning. The very one that spoke and said, let there be and there was. The very one that created that mountain sitting there weeping. Knowing that if he just say one word, every grave would open. There'd be a general resurrection if he just said come forth. It would all come forth. But it was, but that was his human feeling for the people. When he stood there by the side of the grave, he said, take you away the stone. He knew somebody had to do some part. He could have spoken that stone and it shattered. He could have spoken that stone and it'd be sent into outer space. He could have spoken that stone and it vanished. Are you with me? He was gone. He could have said anything he wanted, but he gave them something to do. He knew they had to have a part. Their faith had to play a part. Even though the greatest of these is love and he was divine love sitting there and he could speak and every grave be open. Faith had to play a part because faith is what brings love into action. 
He says, you've got to have a part to do. Move the stone. These two little frail women, when they took away the stone, I can hear him clear. And he says, I thank thee that thou always hearest me. But for those who stand by, he says, look at him now. Here he is. Get it. I can hear him scream with a loud voice way out in the spirit and say, Lazarus. I believe if he hadn't called him by name, we would have seen a general resurrection. That's just what I think of him. So here he is where he's standing there weeping and crying, What? but knowing. He already knew. He already knew I come here to raise him up. He already knew that there was going to be a great miracle. But the feeling, there was such love there. That there was a feeling to see his friend dead in the grave. To see his friends weeping and wailing that he would begin to cry in himself and begin to weep. Because there was an emotion there that came with that love. But faith put that same love into action now. So that he could speak and it happened. It's just like the man when Brother Branham was here. He was praying one time for an old Mexican man down there on the platform. When he ran to the platform with much faith, he fell down and he grabbed this rosary, this old Mexican man, and he, Brother Branham told him that's not necessary. And through the interpreter, which was Brother Espinoza, so he raised up and he put his arm around me and began to go going some way, and he was blind. He said, and I looked at him, and I looked at them old wrinkled up feet, probably never wore a pair of shoes in his life. He looked at, I looked at my shoes, see if they would fit him, and I'd give him my shoes. He was blind. I looked, and he was wider across the shoulders, a big man, weighed maybe 200 pounds or something, I guess, but he, he couldn't have worn my coat. But as he was standing there in the gray hair, he says, I thought of my daddy. I thought if daddy would have, would have lived to be about this age, he would have been about the same age, man, about this, around 65 years old. He says, and I entered into a love for that man. The way that I thought. So listen, this began to take place. This came from his heart and began to take over the faculties of his mind. Where he began to think upon things. His mind began to change. It wasn't just, I'm going to pray for this man. I've got faith. He's got faith. You believe the Lord can heal you. I believe the Lord can heal you. But rather, something began to come from the inside. And he began to enter into the feeling for that old man. He began to look, maybe he could fit my shoes. Maybe he could take my jacket. Maybe if I could just give him, he probably never had. But then something struck about his daddy, and it began to take over his mind. It brought his mind into an eternal realm. Because God is love, and God is the God of eternities. I'm going to bring another part into it right now. We're now where you have God is love, but he's the God of the eternities. So his, 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 the, the, the eternal thoughts of God are not thoughts of destruction. They're thoughts of love. They're thoughts of peace. They're thoughts of joy. And Brother Bradham, in all of this feeling, he begins to enter in to the very thoughts of God for this man. And he says maybe he never had a decent meal in his life. Maybe he never sat down at a table in his life. All of this. And then walking along in darkness. Then something came into my heart. God be merciful. He's a man. He's a brother. Then when that strikes, there's something anoints. What was it? Divine love. Begin to anoint the faith of God, the faith of a prophet, begin to move and bring love on the scene. 
and it began to anoint the prophet. This is phenomenal to me. He says, in just a few moments, he said, there's a creation moving around. It's projected to this person. In a few moments, I heard him hollering something over my shoulder. He was hollering, I can see, I can see. (laughs) Think about this, that this old man, it wasn't a huge drawn out prayer. It wasn't a huge drawn out event. He just began to enter into love for him. He began to have a feeling for him and God began to move. It wasn't a filial, intellectual. (laughs) Excuse me. Thank you. It wasn't a filial, intellectual love to sit there and say, well, the word of God says. And the word of God says, well, if I just repeat the promises enough. I want to just step into my next part seven, mind overcoming right now. Standing on the promises in maturity. Not like a child, where a child, when I thought as a child, when I understood as a child, who just when a child looks at daddy and daddy said you'd do this, you said you'd do it, so I want it now. When are you going to do this, daddy? You said you'd do it, I want it now. But when you begin to mature, you realize if dad promised he'd do it, he'll do it. You just got to have faith that he's going to do it. And just believe and stay strong and stand on the word. Not just constantly praying over and over and over and over and over again. But rather, what he said, it settles it. He says, what was it? Divine love. Sympathy had been projected by the Holy Spirit into this man. Oftentimes we, we, we interject sympathy as a human emotion. But here it begins to talk about, it begins to say sympathy was projected by the Holy Spirit. This is a higher level. This isn't just Brother Branham feeling sorry for this man. This is the Spirit of God begin to well up in him. Saying, God, this is your creation. You put this man here for a purpose. Is this the very purpose that you put? There's a sympathy that began to well up. That wasn't Brother Branham, it was the Holy Ghost. And he says, and by that, at the end of the road, he, when, where, where he could, nothing could be done, but love had taken its place, and love had met love. <laughs> In other words, the love of God met the love for God. Then sovereign grace went to work. And God, through sovereign grace, restored the sight to the man. See, first you have to enter into that thought. It's not just a higher way of thinking. It's the eternal thoughts of God. To enter into that, Lord, you didn't see this. Your thoughts of me are not to be sick. Your thoughts of me are not to be uh, in poverty and, and, and searching out where, where I'm going to get the next job and where I'm going to get... Some. That's not God's thoughts of me. God's thoughts of me are good thoughts. They're thoughts of prosperity. They're thoughts of love. They're thoughts of health. They're thoughts of joy. They're thoughts of love that He would want to project Himself to you and through you. He says in divine love, he says, that's the way you do to a sinner. Many people pray for sinners. He says, that's all right, but that's not the way to win a sinner. It's your business to win a sinner. You don't win him by praying for him. You win him by talking to him and introducing to him Christ. That's your business. That's your duty is to win sinners by talking to them. 
and projecting to them the love of God through the word of God, that wins the sinner. That's my burden behind putting together a podcast with these brothers. Because we can sit here at an altar, we can pray, God save souls, God save souls, God save souls, and then the world shuts down and locks up and we can't go out and speak to them and witness to them and see them as much as we would want to do, but rather we can put it right on their devices where now they can pick it up and begin to hear the very words of life. Why? Because it's our business to introduce Christ to them. It's our business to bring divine love to where they're at, to project it down and wall it to them who love would be projected to and they would refuse it. But it's also a great thing when they receive it. It's your business to win a sinner and projecting them the love of God through the word of God. That wins a sinner. Someone say, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go to church, but I sure like that woman, or I like that fellow. Oh, my. You ever had that? I've had that. So I'd never darken the door of a church. If I'd go to church, I'd probably burn up. I'm such a sinner. But I like you. <laughs> well, thank you. I got this way from being in church. You should come. <laughs> Amen. But what is it? It's you got to be out there. You've got to talk to them. You've got to live the life of Christ before them. Your written epistles read of all men. Not just read of the ones you're sitting to your right and left right now. They're just the ones that look the closest. Because <laughs> they know what's written there. But it's read of all men. Even of those at the workforce, those in the school, those you might only pass by once or twice, or meet from Kijiji or meet from Facebook buy and sell or meet over here, meet over there. You might just meet them just once. But that might be their opportunity to see Christ in you. He says, but you've got to pray and then go. That's right. Go and do it. Now the projecting of this love. Now, as I quoted before, are you still with me? Amen. We have a few more minutes. Galatians 5 and 6 says, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision. In other words, the works of the flesh aren't availing anything. But faith which worketh by love. I know you could take that and say back in their day it was talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. Circumcision or uncircumcision, that doesn't avail anything. Yeah, that's one facet of it, but the scripture's multifaceted. You take it and say, well, I've done all the right things, but if you don't have faith and you don't have love, it's not getting anywhere. For Second Peter chapter 1, let's just turn here. All right, we're doing okay. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 5, very familiar to us. Says, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to your virtue knowledge, and to your knowledge temperance, to your temperance patience, your patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound... They make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Amen. Now we, we've quoted these things so many times and we can draw a triangle out and we can put faith and virtue and knowledge and temperance and patience and godliness and brotherly kindness and we could put a little gap in there and the Holy Spirit and love is the capstone coming down. It looks so pretty. But I want to look, look at it more than just that. What's the revelation behind it? Come up a little higher. Love can't come and bring the capstone without the new birth. Sealing and vulcanizing those attributes together. Because the new birth is the Holy Spirit baptizing you, which is God, love, coming into you. But in doing so, faith naturally brings virtue. Naturally, faith, if you've got faith, if you've got a belief in Christ, it will naturally make you stronger. We've got a lot of people today with a pandemic going around that have no faith. And they're incredibly weak. They're not sure what to do tomorrow. They're, they're, they're not sure about the government opening up. They're not sure if this was right or that was wrong. They've got no virtue. Because they got their faith in nothing. They have no faith. But faith naturally brings strength. Where you could say, well, I, I don't understand it all, but... I believe the Lord Jesus will keep me healthy and well. So if I happen to get it, well, he'll make me healthy again. So that's okay. I got faith in something. It gives me a strength to walk out every day and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's natural. That's simple. Even though it's a spiritual attribute, those things naturally evolve. And virtue naturally brings knowledge because in order to get stronger in the faith, you begin to study the word. And you naturally take on the knowledge of the Word of God. And as you naturally do that, it will temper you to the Word. You'll begin to act it. You'll begin to think it. You'll begin to speak it. It says, which will naturally then bring out a patience as you feed on that Word. You see someone that's not reading and not praying, they're snapping at everything. You say, why, why am I so short-fused and so short-tempered? When's the last time you got on your knees and prayed? When's the last time you spent some time in the Word and just got alone and began to let off the pressure? It naturally brings a patience. Where the things and saints hitting you from this side and this side and this side and this side and you're going, well, I just read this morning. I just happened to read a quote that just happened to go along with exactly what you were saying. (laughs) Why? Because you were in the Word. And these things just bring about one to the next. And as you begin to feed on that, the patience naturally brings about a godliness in your life. And the godliness brings about a brotherly kindness. Because you begin to act out what you've read in the Word and it begins to become part of your life. But when the Holy Spirit comes and ignites these attributes, then it's God pouring Himself in, which is love. And those attributes will begin to abound in the love of God. Where now it's not just I'm reading and I'm praying, but it's God Himself begins to uh, express Himself through you. He begins to live His own life through you. Now I'm going to take one more step back into the message, the countdown phenomenal message. This is where I was trying to get to uh, last Sunday, but the countdown message, Brother Branham talks about the advancements of science and how it parallels the church. And how we come through the horse and buggy age. He took that as justification in Luther and the automobile and sanctification. And we don't realize just how prophetic that really was because the automobiles in Brother Branham's days weren't all that powerful. Weren't all that fast. Nowadays we got in the days of supercars and hypercars. 1500 plus horsepower. 300 plus miles per hour, 400 kilometers an hour. 
But with so much drag, they can't get off the ground. We've got the same thing in the spiritual. Beautiful works of art. Beautiful buildings. Great televangelists. Great this. Great that. Wonderful revival meeting. Smoke show like you've never seen before. Those beautiful sounding music you've ever heard. Can't get off the ground. Nothing but a hypercar. But the evolution of science had come to the airplane. And that was Pentecost. But it quickly ran out of gas. That's the thing about an airplane. It gets so high. It has to be pressurized. It has to have its own atmosphere. And those things are wonderful. In the spiritual type, it goes to a certain height. But it needs to continually burn fuel to stay at that height. And is quickly exhausted. And Pentecost could go into heavenly places and there's great gifts and a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit and they're speaking in tongues, but they could never break into the eternities, into the rest in Jesus Christ, into those eternal thoughts where the love of God would abound and they would do away with all of the sin. They could never quite break that because gravity, the gravity of the world pulls that airplane back down. When it runs out, it could glide so long, but eventually it's got to make contact again with the ground. And you got Pentecost nowadays that has come down crashing and made their way right back down, but you got to get out of that. Nowadays, they got commercial space flight because we're in the age of the astronaut. But we find there's great billionaires that have decided to commercialize it. And I was watching the video of this man as he began to make it. I get the man who made Virgin Mobile, Virgin Space, whatever he calls it. But uh, Foolish Virgin, anyways. Anyways, he, uh, he got himself up there. Sorry, that's not a doctrine. I just came out. I apologize. But he attached, attached his spacecraft to two big airplanes. And that took it up to a certain height. But it had to drop off and go higher. Some of us might have got so high in denomination, but you weren't built to come down with that airplane. You were built to keep going. That airplane has to come back down. You're built to ignite the rocket and keep going on higher. Because the astronaut, he says, breaks the sound barrier. It just goes right on through it. Don't hear nothing. Amen. That brother Banner, brother Banner, brother Ron Spencer said those words that just been going round and round and round in my mind. The deafening silence that Jesus Christ, that backdrop of chaos, but there was such a silence there that there was a conversation just between Jesus and Pilate going on that, that all of that crying out didn't matter. It's no different with an astronaut because he was the first astronaut. And we are to be like him that when we go up, all of the chaos that's going on just becomes drowned out because we've broken through the sound barrier. And go right on beyond all that. He's way up there living in the presence of God. He promised it. His word says that he'd be the high priest. And you see the great big radar sitting out there moving. Watch him in the meeting. When you watch when that Holy Spirit comes down in the form of a pillar of fire, just like he promised, a man's not going to sit in there but try and reason it out with science. A real believer. What is that real believer? He's a radar screen. He just began to point around, amen, and it catches you there. And says, uh, that astronaut says, you got this and you got that and so and so, and you're healed in the name of the Lord Jesus, and he sails off. An astronaut. 
And the achievement's been proved by science. They showed it out yonder in the World Fair and things. And we've seen it over and over again today. Where, amen. Where it says that uh, it's been proved that the astronaut age that we're living in, see. We're living in such an astronaut age that men want to go so bad. They will spend billions to get there. Just to hold up a sign that says, I don't see a God. Because <laughs> they're so foolish. They act foolish. Sorry, the Bible says not to call any man foolish. They act as foolish. He says, listen, it was made something, is made of something out of heaven. He says, it proved the astronaut age we're in. It was made of things which do not appear, see. It was made of something out of heaven. It's God himself. You're in the sixth dimension. It's the power of God. See, we're creatures of eternity, not of time. I'm talking to you that are born again. Lifted up into paradise while still, still physically here contacting the dimensions of time, space, and matter. Through this body, an astronaut bringing the heavenly atmosphere down to earth. But Brennan would say, we've been in such a place till we've been lifted up into that dimension. Beyond this thing of going to the grave and weeping and this thing of putting the crepe on the doorknob and saying goodbye forever. We've gone beyond that. We've done got in to the astronaut, sailed off out yonder, seen where it's at and returned back. It's exactly what he's talking about. Brother Branham talking and saying, listen, I went over and was translated to the other side. I seen what was there and I came back. We're past the age now of just death and weeping and we don't know where they are and this is going, that's going. We know exactly where they are. We can say we know exactly where Sister Karen Prude is, exactly where Sister Allison Dodd is. We know exactly where Brother Branham is. We know exactly where ones that have gone on before is. We know exactly where they are because we're living in an astronaut age and we had an astronaut that went went over there and came right on back and said I'm proving to you it's there he says we're going to a home beyond the sky yonder beyond the reasonings of man how the old will be transformed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. We shall see them there, old men and, and women, young again. How do you know? The Bible teaches it. And God shot an astronaut up in there. We know what it's all about and come back. There's no worry about dying. Dying's nothing. Not only was Brother Branham translated and came back into this body, but we had one astronaut before that. But literally dropped this entire being. Died. Buried in a grave. Went down there and came right on back again. To prove that dying's nothing. You don't have to worry about that anymore. It's just getting your feet off the ground so we can go. Hallelujah. He's promised all these things in the world. See, he's the same yesterday and forever. The things that he's able, God could achieve by one man who would surrender himself to it, to the word of God. Because as I said last night, he's always stood with the word. So you see that in the progress of the church. 
following the progress of time. You know that we've changed from the airplane to astronaut, and they've got, there's got to be a change. And we've been there, and three changes come in and progress in transportation. And, come in the pro- and, and we've seen the three changes come in the progress of transportation of power. It always takes an added power. An added power. An added power. He repeats it three times. Keep more and more and more. Why don't the airplane get up there? It hasn't got the power to do it. It isn't built for it. It couldn't get up into space. It couldn't do that. The astronaut has the power. The tube that in it, that he's in, it has the power. He's up there. He goes up. He sends up like an electronic by atoms, which is far greater than gasoline and everything else. Before, see, we're in another age. And the trouble of it is science keeps moving with their advancement, but the church wants to settle down. And remain riding old Dobin down the street and say, going right on. My mother joined years ago and you ought to join too. See, don't think like that. Let's rise. All things are possible. Science has a tree that they climb, but they can only climb so far. And when they get as far as they can, that's the end of the scientific research. They kill themselves. They do it over and over again. But you see, on the tree of faith, there's no end to it. You just keep on going. That's the tree that we should be on tonight. The tree of life, the tree of faith. No headed to, not headed towards the moon, headed towards heaven, headed towards God with the glorious rapture of the Lord Jesus in his presence and his power, his very life out of heaven. Not come down to make us join church, not come down to make us shout, but come down to let his whole life live through us. One more paragraph says, live in the heavenlies, carry yourself away till you see what is to come. What was, which is, and shall come, lifted up above anything that the church has had since the day that Christ was on earth. We're enjoying it today. We're in a great age, friend, a great time, an astronaut age. Hallelujah. That's the age that we're living in. In the days of Luther, that he would drink and he would smoke, but he was just riding a horse and buggy. In the days of Wesley, he brought the, the sanctification. He was in a car. In the days of Pentecost, they came to the airplane. They could get off the earth and they could get so far. But now we're in an astronaut age where an astronaut creates his own atmosphere. An astronaut has a space suit where he's not reliant upon the individual next to him. He's not reliant on who's come to church. He's reliant upon him and God because he's got a connection to the oxygen supply. And it's his spacesuit and him alone in that spacesuit. And that's his atmosphere. And he brings it with him. Just as it was on the day of Pentecost when they had little tongues of fire. It didn't come one over everybody. It rested upon each and every one of them. Where they had their own atmosphere, their own little lick of fire. Hallelujah. An astronaut has his own personal atmosphere his own personal lifeline his own personal connection with the heavenlies hey man he's not reliant just upon a spaceship and we get up there up in the heavenlies but he can open up because he's got a space suit 
Hallelujah. He can open up and he begins to drift out. Why? Because he's in the heavenlies. He doesn't need to keep burning gas and burning gas and burning gas. He's gone into orbit. The longest they've ever had a man live up there is about 804 days. Two and a half years or so. A Russian fellow. They don't know if they can live up there any much longer than that. But there's a spiritual heaven. You can live in for all eternity. You just pass from death unto life. What does it take? It just takes more power to get up there into space. Once you get up there, you're into orbit. Gravity then has no more influence on you. Gravity isn't pulling you back down to earth. It's just an orbit around because you're back in that circle of eternity. As you orbit around, it's a perfect circle. Why? Because when the astronauts made it back, you're not going up to something great or something beyond. You're going back into eternity where you came from. Living in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, you can really walk in the love of who Jesus is. It doesn't matter who's pulling this way and who's pulling that way and who, what this gossip problem is and that problem over there. You just pass right over the top of it. The world could be on fire with protests and political trouble and church trouble and scandal and scandal that, but it doesn't matter. The believer just passes right over the top of it. Hallelujah. When perfect love has come into the human heart, all demons of hell will never be able to upset it. That's the words of Brother Branham. When perfect love has come into the human heart, every demon of hell will not be able. They might eat your body up with cancer. They might take your eyesight. They might take your ability to walk. They might take this. That's just a body, but in the heart. When perfect love is coming to that, it doesn't matter what lying vanity there is. It cannot upset the love of God that is in you. Because what can separate us? When you've reached into the heavenlies and you've gone into the orbit of the eternities, what can separate you from that? What can pull you back down? All the gravity of the world, everything it has to offer, has no more influence on you. Hallelujah. Brother Branham says, for it was on the eighth day that our Lord raised from the dead. There's your other convocation. Not considering the Sabbath or the Feast of the Tabernacles, Feast of this or Feast of Pentecost, Jesus raised from the dead for our justification on the eighth day. After seven Sabbaths or seven days, Seven church ages, Jesus raised from the dead. Eighth day, which is our holy convocation, see? Which is the first day. See, you've, you've, done, has a, you've done has passed through time and dropped into eternity again. Not keeping of days and keeping of Sabbaths and new moons and things like that, but has passed Change your form, not annihilated glory, but pass from death unto life eternal. Oh, what the Bible does teach us, see, pass from one to another. It says, how? Oh, mine, another place in the calendar says, now we are passing over the Laodicea age. 
Not through. Over. We are passing over the Laodicea age. We all know that. Every one of us that knows the Bible knows that's right. Where's the count then? It's seven. Next is zero. He talks about the count of man and how man's got his count all backwards when they launch a rocket. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Brother Brown actually skipped six though. If you're going to listen to it. But, but they got their count. It's all messed up. It's all backwards. And understand. He said, God doesn't count that way. He starts at one and he goes to seven. And after seven is zero. Why? Because it's a perfect circle, which is eternity. He says, you've passed them through all of the Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamos and Thyatira and Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. We've passed through that Pentecost age. We've passed through Lutheran Wesley. Look what the church has started. God began to show signs on earth showing that he was advancing his church. Showing that he was advancing them from a horse and buggy. You did good with that. Now here's an automobile. You did good with that. Now here's an aeroplane. You did good with that. Now here's a spaceship. Come on up a little higher. Bring your thinking a little bit higher. Stop thinking in the realms of this world. I can only go so far. How many miles per gallon do I get? Listen, when you're, when you're in a rocket ship, you don't calculate in miles per gallon. You calculate how much power you need to get from here to there and put that much gas in. God does perfect calculations. Calculations. Sorry if I'm saying it wrong. He does it perfect. He didn't miscalculate anything. When he come in, Lazarus come four days late. It's a miscalculation. It was perfect. Lazarus come forth. It was the perfect amount. Hallelujah. When he went down in the grave himself, he came back. It was the perfect calculation. Praise be to God. It was the perfect calculation for Tabitha in the Bible. It was the perfect calculation for Tabitha sitting here. Amen, Sister Tabitha. It was the perfect calculation. He never makes a mistake. He knows what it's going to take to get you from here into the eternities. And he's given you every bit of fuel you need. Oh, but we've passed from time into eternity. He is our He is our Passover. Why is that called the Passover? Why is Christ called our Passover? You've passed over. It says in 1 Corinthians 5 and 7, it says, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sanctified for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the leaven, unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Let's take the word of God, our Passover. This is all right. Sorry, I'm just trying to find a closing place. All right, we'll get to there. See, all right, past. The old Sabbath is path, past. Jesus raised on the eighth day. What a solemn day, holy. It wasn't a day, because day is a time. And that done ran out and passed into eternity.
It swung right back to the first again. Eternity's like a ring. There's no corner to it. You can't find no stopping place. It's a perfect circle. You go on and on and on. Don't care how far you go, you're still going. You can start going around like this and go through the floor and go through the earth and go beyond. You're still going. All things was created down here. All things that was created down here are perverted, not created by Satan. And will drop out when the great golden bells ring and the trumpet sounds. All that old perversion, when God pulls the string of the blood of Jesus, all that old perversion has just gone away, gone away. I behold a new heaven and a new earth. And back yonder at the beginning, that typos made at Eden. But he says, notice on the eighth day, Jesus raised up for our justification, the eternal king with an eternal kingdom to be baptized into, to eternal life. Not seven days. Not seven church ages, not nothing to do with anything with days, but speaking of another eternal coming, speaking of an eternal time, the world that I'm speaking of from future home. See John 13 verse 1 says, now therefore the feast of the Passover. Sorry, John 5 verse 24. Sorry, Brother Ethan, I didn't give you any of these scriptures. I apologize. Verily I say unto you, he that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death into life. Says we know in 1 John chapter 3 verse 14 says, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. He begins to seek and zoom right back to the love again. Perfect love. Faith brings love into action. And you've got to have a love. Because by this you know. You say, well, I believe the word of God. I believe therefore I pass. Do you love? Is that expression through you? I'll close with this as the musicians come. In the message, the countdown again. He says, oh, I don't want treasures of this earth. I have treasures in heaven. Thank God one day I stepped into the astronaut tube, the body of Jesus Christ, baptized in there by the Holy Ghost and watching, waiting, listening at the countdown. I've seen the ages come by, come by, come by to the last age comet is counted off in the next breath. It's more than three minutes. I mean, less than three minutes. Science says three minutes and the earth will be blown up in the time now. Now it's just about a minute and a half today. But the next breath of Jehovah is come out of it, my people. Come up higher. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. That's what we're waiting for tonight. That next breath of Jehovah just come up higher. Come up a little higher. Step up into the eternities with me. Step up into the eternities. I want to show you I am he that which was, which is, which is to come. I am the eternal God. Oh, if we could just get that kind of love. Perfect love in the hearts. I believe it's here. One for another. We can step into a feeling one for another. Not a filio, intellectual. Well, he goes to my church. No, no. But a real genuine agape. God's love projected through an individual that begins to make intercession on behalf of your brother and your sister. Begins to enter into where they're at. Begins to pray for them where they're at. Begins to reach out to them. Because it's God in you. If we could just get one, two, three, four, 
How many would want to say, Lord, I want to be one that would just be so full and so surrendered to you? You could use me. That when you come suddenly to your tabernacle, I'm there. When you come suddenly to speak to me, I'm there to respond. I'm sensitive. I'm ready. I'm listening. I'm able. I'm receiving. Not off of my own little world. Oh, love of God. How rich, how pure. Oh, love of God. How rich, how pure. Oh, how measureless and strong.
Oh, what love of God. It's the greatest of these, faith, hope, and charity. The greatest. It would be an insult to God to put it to any earthly thing. It goes so much beyond that. Did we put, this, put the third verse up there, brother Ethan. You couldn't with think the ocean fell. And you still, with every sky partially made, you couldn't write the love of God. You couldn't, you'd use up, drain every ocean, you'd fill every sky, you'd use every book, you'd use every quill, every man couldn't spend his life long enough. Because it would be an insult to God to say it's earthly, it's earthly. No, it takes us to come up to Him. Because Him by His love brings us up into heavenly places in Christ Jesus where we become like He is. Let's sing this verse together. Could we with the name?